management, leadership. If you're all about that, I know that you're ready for the leaderish podcast. Ay, change your mindset because it is vital. Remembering the leader is not all about a title. It's about helping others level up, get their best. Talking about the skills, time to focus, time to represent. Hey, Dr. Brandy, break it down just like that. Time to tune in to the leaderish podcast. Hey, let's go. The Leaderish Podcast. Hey everybody, me, Dr. Brandy here, and welcome to another episode of the Leaderish Podcast. And today is our part one of our Q&A episode. Now, if you're listening right now and you didn't get your questions in, you missed out, but don't worry. You can always send questions to 215-608-5687. Just text them to me directly. So my team has put together this set of questions. We're probably going to have to do two parts. That's why I called it the part one, but let's jump right in. I'll see as many as I can get through um, for today. So first question, Dr. Brandy, how can I manage when work is being dumped on me by my supervisor? Okay, so I need to keep track of these questions. So a lot of times, you know, um, I get questions from people where work is being dumped on them. And there are a couple things that may be going on there, right? So the first thing you have to think about is literally your capacity, your ability to get work done. If a lot of work is being dumped on you and it's to the point where you can't get much of anything done or you're always behind, then that's a good thing because you're going to be able to use that as leverage to speak to your manager or supervisor. Now, another thing is, and I don't have all that information here, but when I hear people say work is being dumped on me, I'm wondering, is it someone else's work? Is it truly delegated where you should be doing that? Or is literally someone else dumping their work on you? I'm going to give you two responses here on what you can do. If it's scenario number one, and literally it's work that you should be doing, um, but it's just too much, someone's almost over delegating to you, then you need to have a discussion. Now, when you have the discussion with your manager or your supervisor, you're not going to say, hey, I have too much work. It's going to put you in a weak um, position. It's going to make you seem like maybe you're not managing your time well, or there's something's wrong with how you are able to handle the responsibilities that you're given. You know, at work, all we have is our brand. Our brand is what people say about us when we're not in the room. So you want to maintain your brand at all times, even when you're navigating these type of conversations. What I would recommend is that you make it about that manager or about the project. Uh, or about the team or whatever your deliverables are. So you may say, hi manager, hi supervisor. I'm really noticing lately that um, I've been receiving some extra work or you've been delegating some extra work to me or I was brought into ABC project. One of the things I wanna make sure as I'm working on this project is that this project doesn't fall behind or that I'm not dropping any balls over here. Um, And so this is what I thought. Um, I'll let you know when I'm at capacity and then when you delegate uh, you know, additional projects to me, um, I'll let you know and check in with you just based on how my workflow is going. I'll let you know, I'll check in with you, right? So you're not saying I'm not gonna do anything. You're not saying stop delegating things to me. What you're really saying is I'm gonna communicate to you when my capacity is at a point where I can't handle anymore. It makes you seem like you're proactive, that you're taking the leadership role and it's not that you're overwhelmed and you can't handle things, but that maybe that person was unaware of some of the other things you're working on. So educate them that, hey, I'm working on A, B, C, and D. 
The other thing you may even do is, let's say there's nothing you can do, you have to work on those additional projects, then you may collaborate with them and say, I really am gonna need your help to help me prioritize some of these projects because I'm working on seven concurrent projects right now with the different various deadlines. And I'll be honest, um, I would love your help to figure out how I'm gonna get this done. Sometimes when you bring them into the discussion, they'll realize when they pull it together that there's really no way for you to get it all done. They'll be able to go behind the curtain and see, wow, this really humanly is not even possible. And then they'll buy into the fact and they may even be the one that says to, that says to you, hey, maybe can, can someone else on your team help with those other two activities? Or how about I take this back off of your plate so you can get everything else done? It's not about getting work done, it's about getting work done efficiently and effectively and to a high caliber and quality. And so use that type of language when you are communicating with your manager or supervisor about why you may need some things to come off your plate. Now, if someone else is literally dumping their work on you and it's not your work, it's their work, then that's a different type of discussion. I need you to be gingerly, be strategic here because there are various reasons why people will dump work on you. A lot of times it's because you're doing it. You've done it before, you've done one or two things, you've said yes to a few things and then now all of a sudden someone knows that they can collaborate with you on something but really they're using you to do their work. If you really feel like someone's dumping their work on you then you and, and it's not necessarily your manager or supervisor, maybe it is, but then I would recommend that you say no, right? And there are so many different ways to say no. You may say, if they say, can you work on this? Can you help me with this? Can you do a little bit of research? Sometimes people also will loop you into their job. So they'll say like, can you, where, where did you find that resource? And you're like, I literally Googled it myself. I researched it on my own. They'll try to take the work that you've already done to fast track their work. So in those cases, just communicate and say no. Things like, I'm not able to do that. I don't know if I can accommodate that request. I'm not sure if I'll be able to fit that into my schedule. There are so many different ways that you can let people know that you're not gonna participate in doing their work or helping them with their work, or you can redirect them. Say something like, um, you know what? I'll find the place, the website that I got that from, I'll get you that website. You're not gonna get them the actual notes and everything that you've already curated, but at least you'll point them in the right direction. Okay, that's all I got with the information here. That's all I got, so I hope that was helpful. Okay, so the next question that came in has to do with favoritism. I keep getting accused of being, uh, of demonstrating favoritism with various members of my team. Okay, so this is a big one. We all know that um, we manage and work with people. Sometimes we like others more than we like some other people on our team. And sometimes in management, it comes across as favoritism. So first of all, let's just break this down really quickly. Favoritism is when you are allowing someone else to get away with something that you won't allow someone else to on your team. As a manager, if you're being accused of favoritism, the first thing I want you to do is just do some self-reflection. I love it when I get constructive feedback or negative feedback because it's an opportunity for me to put a mirror up to my behavior. That doesn't mean that it's true, but it's that personal assessment and that self-check-in that I can do. So before you get um, defensive or offended, just literally think about it. In what ways am I showing favoritism and to whom and why or why would someone think that? Now, if you actually have been showing favoritism and you may say, well, this person does their job, they're great. So yes, they do get more. I do allow them to maybe take off more, or prove more of their leave or something like that. And you have been um, showing favorites. What I'm gonna recommend is whoever called you out on it or if you need to address it with your entire team, go ahead and fall on the sword. 
Okay, go ahead and be authentic and honest and fall on the sword. It will um, build up and give you a lot of goodwill with people because it, it'll be like you um, just confirming an open secret. Right. If you really are doing it, everybody knows. So the fact that you say it, it doesn't do anything any worse. What it does is it shows your maturity. It shows a high level of emotional confidence. And I think it'll it'll give you some great social capital with your team. Um, and if you are apologize or, or let people know that you understand why they could see that some of your behaviors may be favoritism and just make a uh, recommitment um, to being more equitable and inclusive. Simple as that and move on. Now, let's say you're being accused of favoritism, but it's not really favoritism. It really is. Um, and sometimes in management and leadership, you'll find this where you're making an accommodation for someone specifically. So some people think equality and equity is the same thing, and it's not. Sometimes when you're treating everyone equally, you're actually being inequitable. So I'm going to break this down really quickly. Think about two different schools, right? The high achieving school and the high need school. Both of those schools may have the same caliber of teachers, the same textbooks and resources to learn equally. Literally, they have the identical same thing. But you may realize that the high need school actually needs all of those things, plus additional tutoring services and additional studying apps. Technically, on paper, it looks like that high need school has more than the other school. And so it's not equal. But based on where they are and what their needs are, that more that they have is actually going to give them more of an equal footing to the high achieving school. Does that make sense to everybody? And so when you think of it in that same way in management, sometimes we take a stance that we want to treat everyone equally across the board. And so when but if you're being equitable, you may realize that, no, I approve that person to work from home because they're dealing with a unique temporary challenge. And so in order for them to work at home, I made that accommodation. Now, I didn't approve you to work from home because you're not dealing with that specific challenge. So it's really not favoritism. It's that you were um, accommodating people's needs based on whatever the context was. If that's the case and people are just seeing it as favoritism, Try to talk through that and explain to people what's really going on, but do that without telling everyone else's business, right? Because as, as managers sometimes and as leaders, we know more information than other people and, and there's no way to let everyone know everything that's going on. And it's not fair to other colleagues to let them know, well, this is the reason why this person got that accommodation. It's none of their business. But if the perception is that you're showing favoritism, you do need to address it. And you can maybe use that example to say, I'm just trying to be equitable to make sure that I'm fair with um, the accommodations that somebody requested, whatever private accommodations there are. So I hope that makes sense. Um, two ways to slice it. But yeah, favoritism, we want to make sure we have an equitable work environment for sure. Okay, so let's get to our next question. I have so many here. So how do I handle competitive coworkers? Okay, Whew. couple of things. It takes two people or more than one person to be in a, in a competition. The first strategy that you can use is not even participate. Okay, you need to be competitive against yourself, not anybody else. So if you notice a coworker or a colleague that's consistently trying to compete with you, you can allow them to run around in circles trying to compete with you and just be your best self. Don't engage in that um, aspect of the relationship with them. Don't buy in to that dysfunction that's happening, especially if it doesn't 
feel right with your spirit, right? Sometimes at work, um, there's nothing like some friendly competition. I love it. Sales teams, marketing teams. And, and if it's coming from a good place, I think that it's a great thing and can boost employee engagement and motivation. But if it's not um, feeling good to you, then you don't have to participate. You don't even have to acknowledge it, right? So sometimes competing employers, what it, um, employees and colleagues, what it looks like is kind of showing off. You do something and they want to one-up you. Okay, one-upping is literally a real terminology. So when uh, psychology and social psychology, literally when someone wants to one-up you, they want to outshine you. And so allow them to shine. What you may also do is give them a compliment. You just diffuse their competitive nature. So when they do, when you do something and they, oh, I have a better idea. I thought you could say, you know what? That was a better idea. And it's going to be so horrible for them, right? Because they're competing. Usually it's something personal against you. They've made you an adversary, right? You don't compete against someone that's your comrade, someone that's an ally or someone on your side. You compete with people that are not on your side. And so you want them to not see you as that in that way. And then you also don't want them to be in control of the dynamic. So they may want to compete with you. You may say, I'm going to be your supporter. Okay. As long as it doesn't get too dysfunctional and you you may have to have another conversation or pull them aside. But overall with uh, coworkers that want to compete with you, my number one bit of advice is just don't participate in it. They, They can think they're competing with you in their head, but a competition truly takes two or more people. If you decide to opt out, you should be good to go. Okay. Let's go to the next question. Let me see. All right, here's another one. Um, I noticed that people are t- at work are not taking me seriously. I don't speak up a lot. And I think that's why when I finally do speak up, people over over talk me or, or diminish my ideas. OK, wow. All right. So when when you think about something I said a while ago in terms of your brand, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. But what makes up your brand? Three things make up your brand, your technical skills, which are the things that you're technically great at, um, you know, the things that you went to school for or that you trained on the job for, your personality traits, which are natural to you, and then your transferable skills, those things that we all need to be successful at work, like communication skills, analytical skills, um, leadership development, things like that. So when you think about those things that, that encompass your brand, I want you to really think about how you've been showing up. Your brand is all about perception. It's not necessarily who you are. And so there may be some ways if you're not being taken seriously that people are perceiving you. Now, how do we know that people aren't taking us seriously? Usually through how they communicate with us. Have you ever had someone speak to you in a way that makes you think that they think that you're stupid, that you're dumb, that you don't know what you're talking about, that you're young, that you're young, that you're um, you know, uneducated in some type of way? It's not necessarily what people say all the time. It's how they say it. So when, what I'm going to tell you to do is do a personal audit, take about a week or so and go on your personal observation tour and, and, and try to get in other people's minds and make a guess or a judgment on how they are perceiving you. Okay. If you can figure out how they're perceiving you, yes, not taking you seriously, that's generic, but let's try to hone in on how am I showing up? What message is that sending to other people? Now you did mention that you're pretty quiet. You're pretty laid back. 
You don't speak up a lot. And so one of the things that you may do is speak up a lot more consistently. You may have a personal rule for yourself that at every medium, I'm going to say at least one thing. You don't want to be blending in like you're the furniture. Okay. There are some of you that you're so quiet all the time. No one even really knows that you're there. They don't know how you add value. I'm not saying talk for talking sake, really see how you can add value. How can you go through meetings and be at work weeks and months at a time and you rarely contribute? You don't have anything to offer. You don't even have a question to ask. That actually is a problem. So that either means you're not engaged or you're so shy um, and and um, introverted to the point that it's you're not able to overcome that that um, that piece. Now, the other thing you can do is when you notice in context and in real time that people are not taking you seriously, you can maybe ask a well-pointed question or you can reassert yourself. So if you say something and you kind of blown off, you can say, I'm sorry, I wasn't done talking, or I just want to make sure I underscore my point again, because, you know, just let people know, Hey, I'm serious because you typically probably have not been advocating for yourself. And so they're just not used to you showing up in that way. The great thing about your brand is you can change and adjust literally tomorrow. But what makes up a brand is consistency over time. You want to show up consistently over time to a point where people will know how to adjust how they're acting and reacting to you. So good luck. Good luck with that one. I think you could do you can do some damage control there. And then I think we have time for one more. I think I only did four or five. Am I talking too much on these questions? Oh my gosh, these are so good, the ones that you guys gave. So we're definitely gonna have to do a part two. Um, but for the next question, let me see which one I want to do. Okay, so Dr. Brandy, how do I handle drama queens at work? Everyone seems to be more focused on drama than getting their work done. Okay. All right. This is interesting. And so I'm going to put drama queens in quote, we quotes. We all know what that means. People that are toxic, they're into drama, something happening all the time. What, what I'm going to recommend, if you have a workplace that's filled with drama all the time, just like I say with the competitors, just don't participate. Choose not to participate. Conversations are a two way street. Okay. Have you ever just found yourself talking to someone and you realize they didn't really talk to you back. They only gave you like ad libs, right? I was having like a 30 minute conversation with somebody one time on the train when I used to uh, take the train into work years ago. And I just realized every day we sit next to each other on the train and I think we're building a relationship. I think that we're actually communicating and talking back and forth and you're my train riding buddy. And the person next to me actually just did ad libs for the 30 minutes. I was talking to myself that entire time. And so in that same way, don't get involved in the drama. Um, if people bring drama to you or they specifically want to, you know, come into your Zoom office or your literal office and have gossip or things like that to share with you, let them know that maybe you're doing some work. OK, if it's on the phone uh, or co colleague or coworker, don't answer the phone. Or when you call them back and you realize, oh, my gosh, they're just, you know, being more dramatic um, again or or they're sharing drama that's happening at work and it's just burning you out. Make up an excuse. Get off the phone right away. But at, at all costs, you have to avoid. And another thing you can do is um, show disinterest, right? So maybe there was a time when you were in for the drama. You love the cattiness at work. You love to, to hear them uh, hear the tea on what's going on, right? But if you're over it and you're just like, look, new year, new you, you're trying to be more positive and you have other things to focus on, then show that you're disinterested. You know, so let them say whatever they have to say and go, oh, okay. 
and just let that awkward silence sit there, right? When people don't get the reaction from you that they're looking for, it's not fun to share the gossip with you at all. Um, and then just make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're not contributing to the drama at, at any cost. So you want to make sure that you're where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, that you're doing your job and don't worry about it. Okay, I think that's it. Let me just see if there's a bonus that I want to add to this. No, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay to my original. Come back to the next episode. Tune in for some more Q&A. And guess what? It's not too late because we're always vetting and looking through the questions that you send us. So just text it to me, 215-608-5687. And as always, you can go on drbrandy.com to check out what's going on with the Leaderish Podcast and everything else I have going on and all over social media at the Dr. Brandy. Thanks so much, guys. I'll see you on the next episode. The Leaderish Podcast.